working with Trent Booth and the Veritas leadership group over the last decade has unlocked things within me that I never knew existed until they were coached out of me. If you're listening and you feel stuck or like you have another gear that you're having a hard time getting to, Trent's offering a free intro call to any of our listeners. I love Veritas because it's an amazing combo of mentoring and coaching. I get what I need when I need it most. It's also a flat monthly rate, which is awesome for anyone looking to give it a shot with no contract and no long-term commitment. Schedule a call with Trent today by going to linktree slash CSP60. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash CSP60. That's linktree slash CSP60 with a dot before the two E. How do you get yourself out of a, a funk behind the booth? Like, how do you make events fun and stay in the game even if it's slow and if you're working that many? Yeah. Um, well, number one, like I, the booth is not a job to me. Everything else I do is a job. The booth is game day. I look, I don't look at the booth as like, got to go stand in this booth for 12 hours. Like to me, when I go work, that's the time I get to be like, this is my chance to put on a performance and give my absolute best effort and see what's possible. To me, like the booth service call days and service event days, like, that's the stuff that I get excited about. Everything else is the job. That's just my performance. I get to show up and perform. Thanks for joining us on the CSP Hot Hands 60 Minutes of Fire podcast. My name is Brett Wiggins and I get to serve as your host. So what is a CSP? Uh, CSP is a Cutco sales professional. There are a lot of them out there and they've all got a different answer to the question, why do you sell so much? Our mission is to find out the answer to that question from as many of them as possible. These next 60 minutes are designed for Cutco sales reps who desire to learn from our best in the field. So we interview top sales professionals from around the country with questions provided by their peers to make all that happen. 60 minutes of fire means we get straight to the point. Let's do it. Well, welcome to CSP Hot Hands, 60 Minutes of Fire. Uh, we are at episode number three, and I am so excited for you guys to meet our guest today. The man who had the quietest $390,000 a year in company history, Jess Miser, from our Columbus, bang, bang, uh, Ohio office and Buckeye division. Uh, I won't give you the chance to OHIO it. We're just going to skip that. Um, but at home, those of you at home can do that. Uh, anytime Jess references a resource uh, that's available to us, uh, whether it's a script or anything like that, uh, he's going to share it with me after our time together and we'll make it available to you. Uh, always using the same link you can find in the description of this episode uh, and uh, the podcast. So uh, Jess, if you have any scripts or templates today, don't feel the need to go into to super detail or share it right now. Um, we'll share it afterwards so we can uh, spend the bulk of our time on this. These hard hitting questions from our CSP community uh, they put together for you. Uh, like, who are you voting for? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, if you're ready to jam, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, also, I want to thank our CSP community and Michigan Division. You guys show up huge every single time we have a guest uh, with your questions. Um, it would not be very fire without your help. Uh, it would be more like, um, you know, that that 
bottled water that you left sitting in your car all day in the middle of the fall. Like it's, it's not cold, but it's not warm either. These are great questions because Jordan Thomas, Kaiser Schwartz, Chelsea McDougal, Ole Grouse, Jaleen Baumeister, John Sasick, first time question form submitter. There we go. And Shayla Boker uh, provided these. So if you're, if you're uh, upset about any of the questions, don't look at me. Okay. Um, so how long, uh, Jess, we'll start off with some, uh, some big softball ones here. How long have you been selling Cutco? Um, like my official contract date was December 28th of 2011. Okay. Awesome. Uh, going on 12 years now. I've uh, been a CSP for six years. Does that feel crazy to you? Yeah, it's it sounds silly when I say it to people, you know, like I, I like saying the 12 number because, you know, it makes this longevity and everything when I'm talking to customers. But, yeah. you know, I feel like people look at you and I like I've been this is 16 years for me. You're at 12. They look at us and they're like, so what, was it like a middle school thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Uh, what's your what's your yearly sales breakdown for the year typically look like? So what percentage is like traditional events, closing gifts, business gifts, residential, past customer marketing. How's it usually break up for you? So like last year, 2022, sold 390. Um, I believe 240 of it was in the booth, traditional events. Okay. Um, and then I think around 80-ish K in service calls, past customers. And then probably another C in service events. And then I don't do a great enough job of tracking like my phone orders and like the marketing there. Um, but I had, I did, I run two sales a year. I run in May and then I run one for the holidays and then, um, and business gifts and CGC, you know, I, there's some stuff sprinkled in there, but hasn't been developed into a whole layer yet. That's the goal for 2024. Love it. We, we might get into some 2024 planning. Who knows? Might be a question there. Uh, well, it'll, it'll jog my brain. So I'll help you too, so. <laughs> What other titles do you have in life outside of of a Cutco sales professional, Jess? Um, I I guess I'm a I'm a pet dad. I have a dog and a cat. Still, uh, the cat wasn't my choice. That was my fiance. So uh, still warming so up to. So you're a dog person who's allowing a cat. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, all right, that was one. By the way, your brother submitted some questions, and one was making you choose between cats and dogs. So that that's good. That's good to know. Oh, that's that's easy. That's, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, the cat. We're warming up to him. He's all right. He, uh, his name's Rudy. Uh, Brett, you're a sports fan. Um, My favorite movie, dude. Whenever I'm well, in no. a funk, whenever no. I'm in a funk, I just watch Rudy. Well, it's not that Rudy. Oh. Yeah. No. Um, it's Rudy Fernandez. He was a Spanish basketball player, played for the Portland Trail Blazers and the Denver Nuggets. He was a uh, he's in the slam dunk contest. He won a, he won a silver medal with the Spanish national basketball team. So that's who the cat is named after. I love your deep basketball knowledge. We have some Cavs questions for you today too. Uh, last uh, last fun thing you did besides slinging blades could have been this morning, could have been yesterday, could have been a week ago. Last fun thing that you did a couple weeks ago. I've, uh, I was actually working down in Oklahoma for the Tulsa State Fair. I flew home to go to a Mount Joy concert. So they're one of my favorite bands. Saw them. And then two days later, flew back to Tulsa to work. So, Oh, dude, I love it. I love you. You, you and Jake's commitment to music is, uh, is exceptional. Um, anything in the works right now, an order, a program, a business relationship that you're excited about? 
Yeah. So um, I have a business gift order that should be our, I mean, it won't be like crazy. It's not going to be the 30, 40 K orders that people are popping off um, right now, but it'll be my biggest business gift order. Just waiting to get the list of clients from my customer. And then potentially, you know, I'm not trying to get too excited about it or jinx it, but I had a customer who I met who had their house burned down and they're getting, he's like, we have great insurance. So I can get pretty much whatever insurance amount I want. And he saw the Cutco collection sheet. I don't know if you've heard about it, Brett, but it basically has every product Cutco makes as like a special and it's $20,000 and he's, and him and his wife looked at it. They're like, we would want that. And I know I, I, get, just, I, I just love like most people, their home burns down horrific experience that they're thinking about all these different things that are replacing and what, and, and this guy's like, you know, Cutco, I need to go to the Cutco guy that yeah. is uh, on the top of our list. That's awesome. I would love if you've got that special sheet. would love yeah. to afterwards. That's, that's awesome. Uh, I love how we've, we've really moved from not just being a knife company, but a kitchen company. And I think that's, that sheet speaks, speaks to it. Huge for you guys. Um, oftentimes, uh, Jess, I've heard you give messages based around having the right mindset and it, and it feels like you, you believe that that's been instrumental in your ability to produce consistently big orders. Like the ones you just talked about. Tell me more about that idea that it's not necessarily a script or a special phrase that I think a lot of people look for a lot of times that's kind of landing you these large orders it, it comes back to your mindset. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I think it's just like, it's where it starts. Right. So um, if you don't have like the right attitude towards what you're doing, it's just not as impactful. Mm-hmm. Right. You go through the motions, right. You know, you're, you're doing the things that like you've been told to do, but if you don't like believe in them, if you don't have confidence in them, like it just doesn't land the same. So when you, ha- I, I just believe like when I'm thinking about the right things, like my voice is more powerful and more impactful and it doesn't necessarily matter as much what I say. It's more about how I'm saying it. There's like, so much packed in there, man. Like yeah. there's so much packed in there. It, it, it screams authenticity. It screams like, I'm not just saying this because a coach or a mentor told me uh, that I should. It's like, I believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was there anything else there? I didn't want to cut you off completely, but I just, man, that authenticity piece, I think is huge. Yeah. Well, you know, like something that's talked about so much in like, you know, with our scripts, right. Is, you know, memorize it and then internalize it and then personalize it. Right. Like you can't personalize it unless you believe in it. And it's just interesting when you work with a lot of different people, like we all kind of pitch differently, but we're pitching the same things. And I think that comes back to belief and the people who have like the best results um, are selling the most. They have the highest belief and they have the best personalization to what they're talking about. And that's why it works so well for them. Mm. What, what's what's advice for maybe a new rep listening? They're struggling with maintaining that type of mindset. Like they've been told it, they know it, they've heard it. Maybe they find themselves second guessing or not having, I don't know if you've experienced, I think everybody has like the best self-talk mm-hmm. um what would you say to that that rep who might be struggling with that that idea what well, ask i'd ask them like if they're a part of like a group like a coaching group or if they have people to run with mm. right like do they have like people they can who are like are they just like the simple thing of like there's 
whether it's WhatsApp or group me, right? Like I'm a part of like 10 different events, teams, group me's. So I got my phone is just getting blasted with hot news of big orders and like big sales. It's just what I see all day long. So like I'm getting that proof constantly. Uh, it reminds uh, me of um, when I was a new, when I was new into leadership at Cutco, I remember being told at some point, I can't remember from you, but like, like if you're, if you're unhealthy, it's because of what you're eating, you know, you're feeding your body incorrectly. Your brain is the same way. What are you feeding your brain? So it sounds like you kind of, you, you created this force field around your brain of, Hey, what I'm seeing is great mindset is big orders is that, um, yeah. you brought up coaching. Um, and that was something that I got asked was, Hey, have, have you done any coaching, uh, yourself in your life, whether it's for Cutco or financial or relationships or anything? Um, have you yourself, uh, ever had a coach? Yeah, I've had a coach um, since as soon as I decided to start f- selling full time. I did my first campaign without a coach. And then I learned about the coaching program. And I was pissed that it took four months for me <laughs> to learn about it. Yeah. Um, so I've had a coach my entire time um, as a full time sales rep. It's something I wholeheartedly believe in. Um, you're throwing money away if you don't have a coach. And I'm not saying you have to have a coach forever. Um, I'm going to have another coach next year. And probably the year after that, like, I just believe that like people say, you know, oh, well, I have to spend money to have a coach. I think you're actively losing money if you're not receiving coaching. Yeah. Is it an an expense or an investment? And I think how we, how we approach that is really, really important, but also like it, whether it's an expense or an investment depends on what we bring to the table for it. So for anybody thinking about coaching or thinking like, yeah, you're right. That's my next step. What would your advice to them be in terms of how to get the most out of coaching? Yeah. Um, so you're paying for it, right? So like get every cent out of it where, you know, there's different programs and they're all run differently. Um, so whichever you've won is, you know, shop around, I think is mm-hmm. smart. Figure out the one that you drive most with and then squeeze it for everything it's worth. So there's normally group calls, then one-on-one calls. Make sure you're taking those one-on-one calls. Make sure you're thinking of questions to ask. Um and just always have the attitude of like, we don't know what we don't know. Right. And then you never know every, everything completely. So like, I don't know. I just think about like something as simple as selling ultimate upgrades. Like they're so nuanced, right? So I don't know everything there is to know about selling ultimate upgrades. And I'd say I'm pretty damn good at them. Right. So that's just kind of what I think about is where you don't know what you don't know. And even the things you do know, you can know more about it. Any uh, any current or former coaches you want to give a quick shout out to from your past? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've coached with Jason Jeffrey for, I think, four or five years now. Awesome. And I told him this a few months ago, but like he's changed my life. Um, just not just from a business standpoint, but like a lot of the mentality stuff has come from him. Um, so, yeah, I, he was my second coach. My first coach is a guy who uh, is no longer in the business, but Jonathan Schmitz. Um, he's the one who got me coaching and that was an amazing relationship coached with him for about 18 months. So, cool. yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, uh, you, the way you approach dropping down, I wanted to get into, because I think that this is something, anytime it comes to whether it's dropping down or handling objections or whatever the case may be, it brings me back to your original comment about mindset and about how it changes the way you do and say everything. And a lot of times, whether it's dropping down or handling objections, how it's received 
to your point, it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. The timing, is it coming from the right place? If I just had to say your sequence at the booth for dropping down, what does that look like? So it's always going to, you know, start with what is the objection? Probably trying to clarify that first. Because that the the clarification of the objection is what tells me where to go. Because hmm. sometimes like people drop down when they actually don't need to. They just need to clarify the objection and then they can stick on that option a bit longer. Right. You know, I remember one time Jake, you know, who's not a salesperson, he's the DVM, right. He told me this and I could kind of really opened up my mind to like working with people. Like sometimes people aren't objecting. They're just complaining about the money that they know they're about to spend. And like, I thought about that and I do that every time I buy something. Dude, do not ask my wife because she will say the exact same thing. Like I, the whole time I know we're going to do it, but for whatever reason, I feel compelled to like drag us over the coals about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like, I mean, every time I go to buy something, I, I'm going to be like, as I'm reaching for my wallet, like, man, whatever, right? But like what happens to us in the booth is like we have the customer doing that and we feel the need to like handle that. And then it actually like shoots us in the foot. Now the customer's like, because we're overcomplicating it, now they're going to overcomplicate it. Hmm. So, you know, again, that's not always the case. Sometimes we, a lot of times we just need to drop down, but clarifying that objection to figure out what to do next is what informs how I'm going to drop down. If you're still tracking and categorizing all your own expenses, I have a message from your CPA. Stop. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are your goals include growing your sales. And one way to do that is delegating admin responsibilities by trading time for money. Rising Stock and MyBooks.Pro is exactly what you need. Rising Stock is an all-encompassing financial tracking and coaching program where MyBooks.Pro is exactly what it sounds like. They just do your books. You can choose to just have them track your expenses or take advantage of everything they have to offer. Do your business and your CPA a favor by scheduling a free intro call today at linktree slash csp60 that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash csp60 that's linktree slash csp60 with a dot before the two e's what do you think keeps most reps from clarifying that objection um because i feel like it's almost I, I, when I'm teaching new reps how to firm up appointments as an example, and they book the appointment and they speed right through and don't do it. And, and it's like, Hey, why didn't you firm it up? And they're like, well, I'm scared they're going to cancel or say no. And it's like, well, wouldn't you rather find out now than when you drive 30? Like, what do you think keeps a rep from taking that second to clarify the objection before moving forward? I think what it is a lot of the times is, um, we like, I think there's the assumption of sales is that like the best salespeople are like these slick, smooth talking, always have the right thing to say. Like almost, you know, we imagine like the, not, I shouldn't say manipulative, but kind of like that person who's so good. It's almost like the manipulate customers into buying. Yep. Um, so I think what happens is instead of reps clarifying, they try to think of like that super smart thing to say versus letting the customer feel heard, listened to, respected. Oh, it's, then, almost, it's almost like a, a, a pride thing. Like I need to be the most impressive person in this conversation. I need to have the right response. I, um, it reminds me of the quote of somebody's always sold on every sale. You are the, like, it's that mindset of 
win lose versus you're you're describing something totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that the whole idea of someone's always sold. I think that you know it, it's true to an extent, but I also think maybe it's a little like condescending towards customers, right? Like they it's have a lot. Like, I think it's a lot of condescending for sure. Yeah, like they have feelings and they have things going on in their lives, right? And like, um, I think if we're fr- afraid to like reference them and like bring them to the surface, like there's nothing worse. Like I have the worst I ever feel in the booth is when a customer walks away and I don't know why they're not buying. Mm. Like if a customer tells me no, but like, I know it's because like they have college tuition and like, they just spent all this money on blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. And like, or it's just because their, their knives are in storage. They don't feel doing an upgrade right now. Like whatever it is, like when they, I know why they're not buying, it's fine. You know, I can feel good about that. I did my absolute best. It's I when I that. don't know why is when it's frustrating. I love that. You're like, hey, I'm going to, uh, something I preach a lot is influence over control. Like we control nothing. I could walk yeah. outside and get hit by a bus today. Like I, I don't, I don't have any control at all. I have perceived control, but I influence everything. And as long as it sounds like for you, as long as you know, you did everything on your part to try to help them and it doesn't work out, you can sleep well at night. You're not going to lose any sleep over that. Well, what I always tell customers is like, it's, and this it's a joke I say to help me as I'm dropping down, but it also is a true feeling. It's like, I, I can live with no, I'm a salesperson. I hear no all day long. It's the maybes that keep me up at night. And oh. like, I, I say yeah, that. At to- what, at what, and maybe that maybe this isn't so much of a, a recipe as maybe it's just a seasoning at the right moment. When, yeah. are, when are you, when are you saying that to a customer? Is that during a building rapport? Is that when you're like, what point? So it's normally, you know, we've probably gone over pricing. Um, they've probably told me they want to walk around and think about it, right? You know, it's um, maybe when it's like, you know, what I do a lot of times when I'm trying to like get them to feel comfortable telling me what they're thinking about yep. is I'll be writing down like the quote, telling them like, hey, you guys, I'm going to give this to take away with, you know, to, to slow them down where the goal is for them not to walk away, but make them feel like they're allowed to walk away. Cause yeah. they are, I want them to know that they can walk away at any moment. Um, so it's normally just like, as they're kind of like maybe t- turning their body language away from me a little bit, right. They're starting to feel like that uncomfort. Like it's just like letting them know, Hey, I'm a person too. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with your honest answer. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, I guess, I know that's not a specific, I no, do it. Man. I think it, I think it's, it's an important point and I love it. Um, and it's setting, it's setting them up. It's setting you up to give them permission to say no or yes, but being honest of the, the, that, that, that spot in between is where it's uncomfortable for you and it's uncomfortable for me. So let's not land there. Yeah. You're setting great expectations. Um, how much did you sell your, your first year as a CS, uh, CSP, Jess? 120. 120. And, and you've grown to 390. Uh, was what you did last year. Why do you think, and I know this is a loaded, broad question. It's meant yeah. to be. So don't feel like you have to pick the number one. Maybe it's a couple. Why do you think your sales have grown since then? Um, Coaching, number one, right? And like being willing to like not have an ego about the things that I do that I think work. Like my whole attitude is you're doing it that way. You sell more than me. I want to do it that way. So, you know, when I hear people say, oh, I like to do it this way. 
but there's someone who's doing it differently that sells more than them. Like, I think that's the silliest thing. It's like, okay, cool. That's great. You like to do it that way, but they do it this way and they sell more than us. So let's do it that way. Um, so I think that, you know, I'm, I think it's something that I've always kind of had an attitude towards of like, I, I'm not an innovative person. Number one, that's like not, you know, I'm not in the whole CVI thing. Innovation is super low for me. And I'm also not someone who like is super like curious and I'm not curious in the way that I'm going to go out and like do all the research to learn something. I want the person who's the master to sit me down. Like, this is how I do it. And I have no problem. Like, cool. I'm going to do that. Um, I, I love, because sometimes I do the research just to try to prove myself. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I'm, I'm like, all right. Like who, who's doing things the way I, Oh, they're okay. See, it worked. I told you it would work. We just need more, more mm-hmm. time. And that's actually, I wanted to save this for the end, but I, I just feel like, this this goes on really well with what you're talking about. Humility is a word I think of immediately when I think about you, Jess. And to the point earlier about having the quietest three hundred ninety thousand dollar year in company history, you're just a humble dude. And and your brother Jake is the same way. But what I love is you're also super competitive. Like you pre- you take pride in your effort. You are far from soft, which I think is a term we kind of connect to the word humility way too much. Where does that come from for you guys? I don't know. Um, I, I think it's just like, uh, I don't know. I played sports my whole life and it was just always fun to like, if you, you know, were winning and being better than someone like just letting the actions be enough. Hmm. Right. Um, but also like going back to like wanting to be better, like there's just so many people who are better than me. So, you know, why would I care about the way I do things if I want to be more like them? So like, I just think I've always had the idea of like, there's people better than me. Let's keep striving to be more like them. Love it. Um, let's say I'm a brand new CSP. 2024 is going to be my first full year selling Cutco. Yeah. What, what would be some tips for them before they start planning out next year that maybe you wish you knew the first time you were going into your first full year as a CSP? Um. I think figuring out like, okay, knowing, you know, especially if you're going to be an event rep, right. Knowing what your territories like busy seasons are. And then, you know, one of the best things that like my first coach Jonathan taught me was like, it's easier to double down on a big week and make a big week bigger than it is to like yes. make a week where there's not much going on and make that like a good or great week. I think we spend way too much time trying to improve weaknesses when we should just double down on our strengths. Talk talk more about that. So you yeah. you see, okay, this is the biggest weekend. What would that be for you in in Buckeye? What's your what's your big show that you're gonna plan your year around? Um well, so like the state fair is one of our bigger events, right? Yeah. I'm gonna sell a decent amount there, plus get a lot of leads. So I know like I need to have service events right afterwards. Right. So you're not, I love this because I think a lot of people think, all right, January 1st is when I start my plan. You actually start with like, okay, where's my big event? I'm going to create everything around that mm-hmm. after it. I know I need this before it. I need, so I, I, that concept of your year doesn't, you can start your yearly planning wherever that lands on the calendar. Um, so just find those big events and then plan around those. Um, besides those big events, what else goes into your yearly planning? Uh, so 
it's normally like the two things that I'm thinking about, like first are like when I'm working, where I'm going. Um, so like, you know, I love to travel. I have friends that live all over the country and I want to make an effort to see most of them, if not all of them every year. Um, I have my key events that like, those are rocks. They're not moving. Like I'm working those weekends. Um, so those go in the calendar and then it's normally, you know, what, you know, plans that I have made with friends or talked about, whether it's weddings or something like that. Um, those go in the calendar and then it's like, all like, okay, well, like these are my big events. They're already in there. There are a couple smaller events that I want to work. Um, I want to go back to the question you asked before though, about like the new CSP. Yeah. Like they don't know, right. They don't know what their big events are yet. Right. Like they're maybe not getting the opportunity to work the biggest events on their team because they're lower on the totem pole at that time. Um, You know, one thing I did do my first years at CSP is I worked a lot of events. I was grinding, Um, you know, working three to four events a month. Um, I think that's, that's the way, because, you know, to build a business as as a CSP is um, get more customers, right. Um, Being able to, in three years now, staff service events with a lot of customers every single day. Um, so that was also something for me. I mean, first two years, I worked a lot of events and right now, I mean, I'm still in that building mode, I think with my business. So I still work a good amount of events. It's less than what I used to. Um, but I'm still working 25 events a year. So I I mean, with 25 events a year, there's going to be a couple, I mean, it is what we make them out to be, but there's going to be a couple duds in there, right? There's going to be a couple days that are slow or whatever the case may be. Yeah. what do you do to get yourself out of a, a funk behind the booth? Like, how do you make events fun and stay in the game, even if it's slow? And if you're working that many? Yeah. Um, well, number one, like I, the booth is not a job to me. Everything else I do is a job. The booth is game day. So like, I look, I don't look at the booth as like, I got to go stand in this booth for 12 hours. Like to me, when I go work, that's the time I get to be like, this is my chance to put on a performance and give my absolute best effort and see what's possible. And yeah, some days there's just not enough customers there, or maybe like my form was off. Like, you know, I, I wasn't doing the gooseneck on my follow through and I missed the shot, like whatever. But to me, like, the booth service call days and service event days, like that's the stuff that I get excited about. Everything else is the job. That's just my performance. I get to show up and perform. Uh, oh, dude. I like, I, it's like asking a quarterback in the NFL, like, Hey, when you had a bad first quarter, how do you get out of that funk? It's like, it's game day, dude. I got 40,000 people watching me. What do you, I don't have to, like, this is yeah. my chance and, and it goes back to the mindset piece. Um, Jess, and for those watching, uh, we have a live Zoom audience every episode. The amount of head nods and huh that I just saw, specifically from Kaiser, uh, that when you said it's not work, I, it was, just, again, mindset shift. And a lot of times that, that impacts all your actions mm-hmm. at the booth. Um, okay, so uh, follow up there at the booth. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions about, I'm getting the, um, feeling that our team might be struggling with expectations set when they're scheduling service from the booth, um, whether it's at a service event or it's at home, 
um, when it comes to sales expectations. So how do you feel like, what do you do to set expectations for in-home sharpening uh, or at a service event while you're at the booth? For, like you mean like so the customers understand that like I'm yeah like it, yeah what 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 hey they understand what to expect and that yeah I'm I mean you're gonna get your knives sharpened but hey I'm gonna show you some new stuff as well yeah so I'm just very direct and upfront with people um, I'm a commission only sales rep right so this you know someone walks up to me hey you know we have cut how do we get this sharpened oh uh, yeah so a couple different ways you can always send them into the factory. You got to pay the postman to get it there and get it home. They do an amazing job. It's about a two to three week turnaround time. Now, what I do for people in the area is I, I do private sharpenings for them where I come out to the house or I, I host an event where you can bring the knives in. I sharpen them there for you on site. Would you rather send them off or do you think you'd want to come to one of those events? Well, well when's the event, right? Well, how's it work? Well, I'm doing an event at this time. So like, I know what my schedule is, Right. Um, and yeah, so just so you know what to expect, I'm going to sharpen everything up. If anything needs to go back to the factory, I'll actually send it off for you. Um, if it's a, if it's a service call, say I'll bring a box for you to use. Um, I'm going to go over the guarantee. I'm going to remind you, uh, what else, you know, what your products are used for. And then I'm going to give you the update on Cutco. No obligation to get anything. Um, but because I'm doing the sharpening for free, Cutco lets me offers packages and specials that you won't see online or in the catalog. Uh, so no obligation to buy, but I'm going to tempt you. Oh man, <laughs> I I I absolutely love the fact that it's hey, I'm going to take care of you. You're not obligated, but you're being very upfront, very direct, and that goes down to your mindset and just the authenticity of hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very 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 um, uh, uh, real about this, whatever you yeah. do. And then like you know the tempt phrase is really important because it makes it fun. Like hey, no obligation to think, but like. I'm going to tempt you, keep your credit card close. And I'll say that sometimes. Now, say you have the customers like, hey, I'm totally uninterested in looking at anything. Like, I really just want my knives sharpened. I just, again, I get real with people and direct like, hey, I, I totally understand. Um, Just so you understand where I'm coming from, like I am a commission only sales rep. So when I do these appointments, I have to show you the new stuff. I have to do the pitch. Um, If you're on, and like what I don't want for you is to feel uncomfortable while I'm doing that knowing that you are not interested in looking at more stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would love to help you get your stuff back to the factory. Honestly, they do a better job of sharpening the knives. What I do is like a really good touch up. I'm really good at sharpening knives, Mr. Jones. But like the difference is like I'm doing a tune up on your car where if you send it into the factory, it's like they're putting a new engine in your car. Man, so I make it allows them to feel great about that option. Yeah. If they choose yes. it. And I think what what sometimes it's like when somebody becomes a CSP, they have to untrain some of the things that the uh, the great sales trainer managers like myself taught them as a new rep because it was meant for a new rep who literally needs to take advantage of every single opportunity, no matter how bad the percentage make is going to be on that. So as a brand new rep struggling for leads, they probably need to be getting every single appointment that they can where for you, you could fill your schedule easily. It's all about the best. How can I be in front of the best potential sale all the time? And most people in our CSP community are in that situation. Um, what would you say to the CSP who might be saying yes way too often to the situations you just described where they're almost talking a customer into a service call or showing up at a service event? What would you say? Yeah, um, I just having more of an abundance mindset. Right. Like that, that person's operating from scarcity. Um, 
So I just think like believing that like you don't need a lot of customers to sell a lot of Cutco. Now, it's easier to have that abundance mindset when you are actively trying to get better at your scripts, you're receiving coaching, you're learning how to drop down better, start higher, right? So like that all plays a role. Um, and now, and also I do think a newer CSP, the name of the game is customer acquisition. So be a little less rigid and be willing to do more appointments. Cause like, here's the thing you get in someone's home and even though they said they're totally uninterested, we know the stats, right? 60% of people buy, right? Like, so they're probably going to get a couple things. And we've all had the person who said, Oh, I don't, you know, you can show me, but I, I really not going to get anything that we sell them two, three grand. Right. So like understanding that, like, you know, earlier on in your career, I think doing more is better. But as you have a customer base and you have like these big rocks that you can rely on, like you can start to be a little bit more picky and choosy. For sure. And I think it's it's actually um, it's responsible to be, you know, you only have so much time and energy you're going to put toward yeah. your Cutco business each year. You better make those the most high percentage shots possible. Speaking of high percentage shots, I, I need to know who's the better shooter, you or Jake? Me. <laughs> uh and then i john sassick submitted a question that i just i can't not ask he says you got you're smiling already he says you guys send each other these things a lot so he is in greece uh uh from a wedding still and he uh said it inspired him to ask this question okay. who would win in a battle to the death 10 grizzly bears or 10 centaurs That's tough. I mean, I guess grizzly bears because they, they're real and centaurs don't exist. That's a fair answer. Some would so, call it a cop out. I would call it a fair answer. I think you're using all uh, available resources. You know, like, I, you know, there's just a lot of like, there's context. Right? Do the centaurs have weapons because they have hands, right? Like, do they get weapons or are they just going like bare fisted, right? Let's say, yeah, no, no, uh, they, they don't have any uh, extra packs, nothing, nothing uh, available, just bare hands. You're going with grizzlies then? I still think grizzlies. Like, they can still take the centaur's head off with one swipe of the paw, right? So, like, I, I think grizzlies. I don't know uh, if you've ever seen uh, who's who's the creator of the air raid offense. Um, Mike Leach. Mike Leach. You went total Mike Leach on us, and I loved it. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> seen that clip of him describing all the Pac-12 mascots. You got to <laughs> YouTube Mike Leach Pac-12 mascots. He goes through and names all of them and decides who would win in a battle royal. It's in a press conference. <laughs> amazing. Um, question oh, from uh, a couple of our uh, veteran CSPs. Uh, I think this is becoming more and more uh uh relevant with ai uh do you automate any parts of your business and if so uh, which ones and why no i probably should um i mean like i i had an assistant that was writing thank you cards for me so i guess that's a little automated where all i had to do was uh send her the list of customers and she started writing them and then she'd send them out um I would like to have, you know, an assistant who kind of handles a lot of like backend things for me as far as like entering notes into my CRM, currently shopping around looking for an assistant to do that. Um, but no, I'm so bad with like technological stuff. Like using Zoom is like the thing I do that's most technological. Um, hey, I'm glad you're really pushing yourself to the limits for us today. This yeah, is yeah. Inspiring. So like, no, like, you know, as far as like the chat GPTs responding to like emails and texts, no, I don't do any of that stuff. Okay. All right. Awesome. 
uh, for Cutco owner, you've been in the game 12 years now. So for somebody who maybe you see them at a, a, at a booth or it's a past customer or uh, they just walk up and, you know, they're like, hey, I, I already I already own Cutco and they haven't bought Cutco in, let's call it a decade. And they're like, whoa, sticker shock, right? Like, how do you handle any time a customer is kind of shocked with the initial price of Cutco? Um, I just reference it, you know, I say, yeah, it, it is very expensive. Right. But if they already have Cutco, I mean, when you, yeah, I just, when you bought it, it was expensive then too. Right. Yeah, it was. So like, you know, the numbers have gone up, but so has everything else. Right. Here's the thing. Like there's never a bad dollar spent on Cutco because it lasts longer than anything else you could spend that money on. Hmm. And I'll try to reference it like before they have a chance to get the sticker shock. So like, oh, uh, you know, especially when I'm talking, referencing an upgrade, you know, it's like, hey, you know, what we do is like we get the price you pay for the new stuff is based on like what you own at home. Uh, you have this set, right? Yeah. Um, cool thing is your Cutco hasn't depreciated for you. It's appreciated. It's not like a car. So like you got your set in the mid 90s, like you probably paid four or five hundred bucks for it, right? Yeah. You want to know how much that set is now? It's about three times that. So just setting that expectation right away. It's a great logical way to explain it to them instead of being emotional, right? Um, what's a, you're, you've taken a couple leaps and I'd love to know like, what's, what's that next big quantum leap look like for you? And what do you think causes it? Like when you think about and you dream about the future, what what's what's the what's that big year look like for you and and what are the actions or mindset shifts that you think get you there yeah um i think it's um better relationships with my customers in regards to farming their information as far as like what their family's name family members names how many kids do they have what do they do for work um that way i can you know leverage that when i see them again Yep. And by doing that, it makes the gifting programs that we have make more sense. You know, I, I think gift, you know, I, I heard um, someone from Brian Carter out of Texas. He's like, everybody has, every customer has a number or like, you know, they can only buy so much Cutco for themselves. Like if, even if they want to have the, the whole Cutco collection, it's still only 20 K worth of Cutco where like, if you can get them bought into the idea of gifting Cutco, um, whether it's for their family or for their business, um, that number can be much higher, right? So hmm. I think by having better relationships with them and getting better at selling the concept of gifting Cutco is how you can, you know, create a kind of endless um, stream of residual business with your customers. Yeah. What's your, what's your strategy like for farming that information? Do you have one yet? Have you heard a best practice on it? What are you, what are you looking to do to, to accomplish that? Yeah. So Josh Muller's the absolute best at it in the business. So I'm going to be picking his brain um, soon about what that looks like. But from my understanding, it's basically just after you're done with an interaction with the customer, just writing down everything you remember about them from that interaction, then putting it in your CRM. And then when you do talk to them again, you use it to leverage that conversation. What, what's the most uh, uh, orders that you've had from one customer? What's your, what's your highest repeat business? Um, so I have one woman who she's probably, she probably buys 10 orders from me a year. 
but it's like one cheese knife at a time. She just loves, she loves, she loves the cheese knife. She buys it for gifts. Um, she's a wonderful person. And like, I've told her, I'm like, Hey Jeannie, like, you know, if you like were to just buy like 15 of these for me and have a stockpile, like I could get you a better deal. And she's like, yeah, I just going to do it this way. Um, so, you know, whatever. It's it's great. We've never met in person. I called her for a service call once and she was like, no, but like, um, actually it started off as she has a charity that she was in charge of. And she's like, no, but would Cutco be open to like, uh, giving us something for free for this charity as like an auction? And I was like, no, Cutco can't. Cause I'm sure you can guess that they get asked that all the time, but I'd love to. And I sent her a mini chopper, um, and, you know, I guess that got me some goodwill because now she just, she called me yesterday. She called me two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, she's probably the one who's ordered like the most number of orders from me. She's not like the most CPO. Cause again, it's been a cheese knife at a time, yeah. but. Uh, what was your biggest, what, what was, so pre your pre 2022, when you sold three and 90 K, what was your previous best year ever? The year before I did three forty, And then the year before that? Two. 30 so 230 to 340 is a pretty massive jump mm-hmm. um you know that we're talking not 50 percent, but you know it, it's close what what were a couple key factors in that jump from 230 to 340 jess um i think like i'd probably say working with cut co-owners getting better with them you know if someone were to look at their orders we sell more to cut co-owners we sell more orders to cut co-owners than non-cut co-owners mm-hmm. right like they're the easiest to get the order from um they also takes extra work to get bigger orders from them right so getting better at being creative with like the packages you can sell to past customers i think was a big portion of that jump and then just being better at closing in the booth and can you give us an example of that? You said getting better at getting creative when selling packages to past customers. Like walk me through maybe an example of what yeah. that means, what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if you're not using special sheets in the booth, you're throwing away money. Um, so I have a specials book. I get mine from Vast Action. So I get mine from Vast Action. I have a specials book. And I basically, you know, I make the joke when I, I've taught this to like our region CSPs. I've been on a couple coaching groups calls. Like um, the specials book is like the good word of the Lord. I'm just like the preacher, right? Like I'm just the messenger. Um, so like what that means is like, this is the price. I don't make those. I don't get the set prices. So what it does is it like legitimizes, like when I tell someone how much something costs versus me just pulling out my phone, adding up numbers, what they think when you do that, which I still have to do it sometimes when it's just like a random assortment of things. But what like I would assume if I saw someone doing that is, oh, this salesperson gets to just decide how much something costs. It looks like it's you versus them. Yeah. Right. And because like, you know, a lot of people already assume like we're distributors, not contractors. They think we are buying Cutco and then marking it up to sell it Mm. where that's not the case. Right. We are just contracting to sell the product at the price Cutco wants to sell it at. Mm. So by having the specials book, I can do that. I can give them that legitimacy. But what I can also do is build urgency by saying, hey, now here's the thing. Does that price like if this set right here was perfect, 
had everything in it that you wanted, nothing that you didn't. Like it was designed for you, Brett. Like this was Brett's package and it got you everything you wanted. Is that affordable in the budget right now? Because if they tell me no, I'm going to drop down. doesn't matter what they would get with it. They can't afford it. If they say, well, yeah, we could if we wanted to. That just tells me that if I don't close that, I'm not doing a good job. Because they just told me they can't afford it. They were willing to spend that amount of money for something they want. So getting creative with the packages, you know, basically just listening to what they're saying throughout your conversation and getting the things they want in there. So an example I have for you is I had a woman who like showed her an upgrade, um, didn't want to go for the whole thing, or she said, I don't need all those knives, don't want the big block, blah, 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 blah. We have a package in the specials book that at the time it was like 850 bucks. It's a five piece knife set with six table knives. She had just said no to like 1100. So I was like, okay, what can I drop down to that's so close, but it's a significant difference. So I showed her that. I was like, hey, this 850, don't worry about what you see here on the page. I'm going to get you exactly what you want for the most part, right? She told me you don't need all those knives anyway. Is this number comfortable for you? Yeah, it's comfortable. So she got seven knives or seven or eight knives for 850 bucks, nothing for free. Where I think a lot of people would have gone from like that $1,100 package to like 500 because it would, it would have gone from an upgrade to a five-piece special. Would you say you're extremely patient? I would say I'm comfortable going slow with customers. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily patient, but no, like I... That, that's the right phrasing. Exactly what you said. Yeah. So, and also you have to think about like at events, people are in such a rush. They don't like subconsciously, they want to be taken out of the rush. Subconsciously, they they don't want to deal with like the quick blah, blah, blah. They want to have an experience. Um, so I, when, you're, I say, when you're the one, when you're the one vendor that's willing to slow down their whole day and be like, Hey, how you doing? Like, let's check. Like, I feel like, yeah, their whole body would relax in a moment of like, oh, wait, I don't have to be moving a thousand miles an hour. I can. Yeah. Uh, I just, I sense that from you so much. Anytime you start talking about an interaction with a customer and you start spouting off the experience and the role play of it, I'm like, I'm calm. <laughs> and, I'm not, and if anybody knows me, like, I'm not a calm dude. Like, I'm pretty fired up usually. Um, I, I think that that speaks to um, why your customers, they feel that trust. They feel like, hey, Jess is on my side. He's really doing his best for me. Um, it's not a contest to see who can get done first. It's it's a contest to, hey, can I make this the best absolute experience for this person and get them exactly what they want? It's huge. Yeah. Um, what What's something that, I didn't ask you today, uh, Jess, that I should have because it would have really helped our team. Um, I mean, you've had a lot of great questions. I think uh, it's not so my whole like, what you said it before, and it's just a big belief I have, like doubling down on strengths is so much more important than like, figuring out your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my beliefs is that like, Systems are so important. Systems make your life easier. Systems make it like more efficient. Systems create consistency. But I just truly believe the number one thing, if you're a CSP, especially a newer one that you should be focused on, is getting really good at selling and closing orders. 
because everything else becomes less stressful and easier when you're creating CPO and you're making money. And I think it's the same thing for new reps too, right? Like, are they selling and making money is the, should be the number one focus for everybody in our business. Cause if they're doing that, everything else is more exciting, is easier, is helps you build a more long-term vision. So like, I just believe in like doubling down on our strengths. What is our strengths as a company is our training. So, you know, from a management perspective, focus on the training, right? If they're getting better, they're making money. They're going to stick around. And for like us CSPs, if I just keep selling and making money, I will be more motivated to have better systems versus like, I know when I was new in CSP and I heard about like the lifestyle and all these systems that the great CSPs had, I focused on that too much. And it was like, I wasn't doing anything well with that. Cause I didn't even, I didn't have the infrastructure to have systems. I had 300 customers. There's no system that's going to help. I can call, I could talk to all 300 customers in two days. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. system I need. Just rip the phone. You know what I mean? So um, I just think like having that focus, especially early on is the most. You, important. you just got some uh, standing ovation hand claps when you said rip the phone. Uh, now, now here's my question for you on that is like, what, what I think we get so distracted by little pebbles and we forget about the big rocks that really matter. Cause the big rocks are usually boring to talk about. Like, you know, what was it for you? That was that aha moment of just get better at selling Cutco and writing up more orders. Was there a moment? Was there a talk? Like what caused you to go, ah, I need to stop worrying about all this junk on the side and focus on the main thing. I, I mean, I think it was, it'd probably be when I started coaching with Jason Jeffrey. I don't know if there's a specific moment. Um, he's got amazing systems in place. He's a super organized dude. Um, like he's got like seven assistants, like a housekeeper. Like it's his life is nuts the way he runs it. It's super impressive. But like what I think he's probably best at is selling, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like that, just like seeing that, seeing like, the, like none of that other stuff happens without him being able to earn income and sell a lot of product. So I think that was maybe my aha moment, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Um, Got to keep the main thing, the main thing. It's feeding all of these other systems in and out of the business. Huge. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, Jess, is going to be a really, really tough one. Over under on the Cavs wins this year. So what we got 54 last year. I think we win more this year. So I don't know if we get quite to like the 60 range. I would say over 56 under 61. Man, it's a really exciting young franchise. Like it's, yeah. it's really cool uh, to, to see all Cleveland sports. I mean, got a W this week. In yeah. PJ Walker, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a, a Cleveland fan. It's awesome. Uh, and and two-thirds of our first three episodes, Cleveland boys. We had Rob on episode one, you episode three. Uh, who who knows who's who's next? Uh, always been I, Cleveland against the world. So <laughs> I uh I appreciate you uh so much, man. What I've always admired about you is your ability to do your own thing. What I notice about you is is while you will go, hey, there's somebody doing it awesome, uh, and and that's better than me at something, I'm gonna go go get that and they're better and I'm gonna do that. Um, but in your own life, um, 
you're not doing or saying things to gain the approval of others ever. You're like a hundred percent going about things the way you desire to go about them. And I respect that so much. Um, what I love about it is you, you don't do it in a rude way or disrespectful way. You'll let anybody come along for the ride that wants to and help anyone that asks for it. I just love the way you go about it, man. Um, I remember, uh, the first time we spent extended time together was on a cruise and this is totally out of my care. I would never, we were like the last ones up on the ship exploring this cruise ship. And it was like one of the funnest nights of, of, of that trip. And that was like, I was just along for the ride with Jess. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to go explore. You want to come? Yeah, I do want to come. Let's grab some cervezas and go check things out. Um, so seriously, man, thank you so much uh, for making time for our team today. It means the world to us. Can I share one thing? Yeah, go for it. So you you said something before that I want to push back on a little bit. You're like, some people want to focus on the little pebbles because the big rocks aren't as exciting. Yeah. I just think you should people should make their big rocks more exciting. So like for me, my big rocks, again, are the events that I do and the events that like I, I'm excited for, which are like traveling to see friends or concerts. Like those are my three big things. Those are my big rocks. Um, it's one third of them are work, right? Where the other two are things that are like are important to me in my lifestyle, right? So I think, uh, again, if those big rocks are exciting, it makes the other things easier to do. Dude, you, I, I was just on a coaching call with um, a uh, a senior branch is getting ready to graduate. And um, I asked her what her big priorities in her life are. And she named them. And I said, tell me them in order. And she did. And I said, when you make your calendar, do you make it in that order? And she said, no. And I said, that's why there's tension when you're working or whatever the case would be. And, and when I asked you the question, it's like, well, it's always, I remember I put down what you said. Uh, it was who am I seeing or where, and where am I going or something like that? Are the two things you ask yourself first when, when I'm working and where am I going? Yeah. And it's like, it, it just, it, it makes sense, man. Um, thank you so much for today, guys. Don't miss our upcoming CSP hot hand interviews. October is red hot. We got Rob Steiner on October 24th, Amy Muller on the 26th and Dante Reynolds on the 30th. We'll see you next time on CSP hot hands. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, all resources from today can be found at bit.ly slash CSPHH folder. That's bit.ly slash CSPHH folder. If you want to be a member of our live Zoom audience for one of our upcoming shows, just email bwiggins, that's B-W-I-G-G-I-N-S at vectormarketing.com. Dot com and we'll get you that info. And if you loved what you heard today, I would be honored if you followed, subscribed, or even rated us on whatever platform you use to find our 60 Minutes of Fire. We'll see you next time.